Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to another episode of Helpful Hints with me, Mr. Hints. Today, we will start a new topic of particles, looking at solids, liquids, and gases, as well as changes of state. This is for combined and separate science. What we're looking at today is a model. That's to say that the particles don't really look like this, but we can use this as a model to explain the behaviour of the states of matter. So let's take a look at the three states of matter that we need to know about. First of all, a solid. Zoom in really far on a solid and you'll find a nice arrangement of particles in neat ordered rows. These particles are all touching each other and are side by side like soldiers. This helps to explain the properties that a solid exhibits, being that they are incompressible and maintain their shape. Imagine that we've placed carefully some bouncy balls into a box. We've tried to get as many of these as we can in, so we've put them in nice lines, all touching. If we try to squash these down further, we wouldn't have much luck, as the particles don't have anywhere else to go. This is why solids can't be squashed. There's also a strong force keeping these particles all together in this shape. Because a solid exists at what we can think of as low temperatures, that's to say that things that are solids at the lower end of the spectrum of temperatures, there actually isn't a lot of energy about them, so the forces which exist between them can't be overcome, so they form this solid shape. Take a table, place it in another room, and it will still be the same shaped table taking up the same space. However, because these particles do have some temperature about them, they actually do move around ever so slightly. We say that the particles vibrate about a fixed point. They don't flow, just vibrate. Imagine then that we take our solid and add some heat to it. It's going to cause the particles to vibrate more. And that's all temperature really is, a measure of how much the particles are moving. Apply enough of this energy, and the particles gain enough energy to actually break the forces which are holding them in these neat, ordered rows. We have now melted our solid and turned it into a liquid. Liquid particles, therefore, have more energy than their solid counterparts. They are still touching, however, but are no longer in the neat, ordered rows. They're free to flow over each other, which is why we have the property of liquids being able to be poured. They also take the shape of the container that they are in. Be careful here not to say fill the container, as that's for gases. Instead, think about transferring some water from a 50ml beaker, for example, to a 250ml beaker. The volume of water will not change, but the shape that it's taking up will. Let's apply some more heat to this liquid now. Again, the particles are now able to move faster around each other until we can actually break the forces keeping the particles touching. We have now boiled the liquid and turned into a gas. Gas particles have the most energy of the three states of matter and so can move around a whole container. Take the gas which exists in the room that you're in now and we could squash it into a much smaller room. We could even move it to a bigger room and the particles will spread out to fill that room. The substance no longer has a fixed volume. So that's the three states of matter, and I've briefly mentioned the names we give when they change state, but we do need to know these in detail. So in increasing temperature, we go from a solid, which melts and turns into a liquid, and then this then boils and turns into a gas. You may have heard the term evaporate here. It's important to know the difference between boiling and evaporating. If we are at the substance's boiling point, then the liquid boils. But if we are below that, for example, a puddle of water on a warm day, then the liquid will evaporate. 
that water never actually reaches the boiling point of normal water, which is 100 degrees. However, some of the particles, those near the top of the puddle, will have enough energy to break free from the force holding them together and actually then evaporate and turn into a gas. Again, this is all temperature really is, is the average energy of all those particles. So some of them will have more energy and can evaporate and some of them will have less. Be careful in an exam then and make sure that you're reading the situation carefully and using the correct term. Going back the other way, when a gas cools down, it condenses into a liquid and then a liquid will freeze or solidify into a solid. This can sometimes cause some confusion here as well. We might sometimes say that it is freezing outside, as in it's very cold, but a substance can freeze in what we think of as warm temperatures, as long as that is the point at which it solidifies. Now, throughout all of this time, we've been dealing with this energy going into the system if we're heating it up, or out of the system if we're cooling it down. As part of the course, you need to know about something called specific latent heat. This sounds similar to specific heat capacity, but has a key difference. We're not dealing with the energy needed to change the temperature, but instead the energy needed to change the state. So our definition of specific latent heat is the energy needed to change the state of one kilogram of a substance. But we need a qualifier on the end here to distinguish between melting or boiling, as these can have different values. We call these specific latent heat of fusion for the energy needed to melt a substance, and specific latent heat of vaporization for the energy needed to boil a substance. It can also work the other way in thinking about the energy which would be given out by the substance in the change of state. You may well have seen a graph in class or even carried out a practical with either ice or, and water or something called steric acid. We can then plot what's called a cooling curve and what you'll hopefully find is that the temperature remains fairly consistent for a certain period of time. This is when the substance is changing its state. The energy which was once used for increasing the temperature of the substance or making the particles move more, is now being used to break the particles from the forces between them. This is why it's called latent heat, as the heat can no longer be detected. Latent comes from Latin to mean hidden, so the energy is hidden in the change in state. As with a lot of physics, it does have an equation to go with it. The latent heat of a substance is equal to the energy needed to change the state, divided by the mass that you have changed the state of. Remember, we won't always change all of that ice, for example, into water. Only some of it may do. So we need to make sure that we're using just the mass which has changed. It can be really useful to carry out a practical here on this to apply the formula, as often you'll get a different answer to the real value. This can be because you've used more energy than you should have done to melt that ice, for example. Some energy will have been lost to the surroundings or to heating up the substance, which we don't want in this case. Okay, so that's your lot on states of matter and changing state. There's been a lot to go through here, so be sure to couple this with some past paper questions on the topic, and I'll speak to you next time when we look at density and the density required practical. Thanks for listening.